0: Tim and Sam's Podcast, 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 and to have a podcast which is really, really podcast. great, they serve us. On a board plane, board board
1: welcome
2: to the news. a Shake-O-Tacular! Oh, oh, have we got a treat for you today? The man is in the build. Well, he wasn't in the building. It was via Zoom, but he's
1: in the episode. Yeah, he man sure is here in the episode. Yes, Tim talks to Sheku Kanemason about his new album, "Song," out from the ninth of September. But before we get to our Kanamaine course, <laughs> Sam has whipped up a Beethovenian
2: aperitif.
1: I analysed one of the tracks on the album. <laughs> Happy birthday for yesterday, fella. Good party, eh? Yeah, and you know what I like to do when slightly hungover is analyze that set of Beethoven variations off Shaku's new album. The F major ones are nine Mädchen Ode Vibchen
2: from Mozart's opera The Magic Flute, written for cello and piano. Yeah, those are the buggers. Mm, I'll put them on. <laughs>
1: I've been trying to think of a good analogy for theme and variations form. I haven't really got one yet, but maybe watching the 1993 classic Bill Murray comedy Groundhog Day will help.
2: Is that the one where he goes round and round the same day, trapped in a time loop, slightly changing different elements each time?
1: Yeah. As I say, no idea for a theme and variations analogy yet, but Bill always helps.
2: Mm, tell that to your guru leader is basically Ghostbusters think piece.
1: Pardon? Good film last night, eh, pal? Bill Murray, still the man. What do you mean? It was my birthday yesterday. (laughs) You must have bumped your head, Timbo. We analysed Beethoven's cello variations. You know, the one off Sheku's new album about how Papageno finds it difficult to find a wife.
2: Oh. No. I know the original aria. It sounds like this. But we haven't analysed it. All the
1: variations. We didn't talk about how it was written in, or around, 1796, by a young Beethoven pre-First Symphony, out to prove himself, inspired into writing four pieces for cello around this time. The two sonatas of Opus 5
2: and another set of variations? No, no mention. I just happen to have been
1: memorising Opus numbers lately. You really can't remember. That's so weird. Maybe it was all a dream. We didn't witter about how Beethoven's variations on Mozart's theme may have been a competitive effort with Abbe Josef Gelinek, who completed a set of variations on Eide Mansion three years before Cheeky Ludwig.
2: I seem to remember some of this Abbe.
1: No, the Abbe, as in priest, Josef Gelinek, who shared a music and composition teacher, Albrechtsberger, with Beethoven.
2: Not a but hey Sam, what do you eat before an evening of exclusively experimental early 20th century German theatre?
1: I don't know, Tim. What do you eat before an evening of exclusively experimental early 20th century German theatre? An Albrechtsburger. Oh dear. My... Help me, spirit guides! No! It seems I'm all alone. Maybe if I can jog Tim's memory. <laughs> I need to explore all the different permutations in an almost scientific way. Like a multiverse? Hot pop culture topic there, Tim. Scolding. Okay, in the Einmädchen variations, as recorded by Sheku on his new disc, the early variations don't stretch too far away from the original. Superficial changes only. A bit like how in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness... Really stretching the audience's knowledge of the weakest elements of Marvel's third phase of films there, Sam. In Multiverse of Madness, every Doctor Strange in every universe is played by Benedict Cumberbatch.
2: And in none of them can he
1: say the word penguins. So why are these woodlands so attractive to penguins? Beethoven makes superficial changes. They sound like this. Very recognisable, like putting a ponytail on Benedict. Later variations are a bit more like the latest Spider-Man, which also has multiple universes. One of the strongest
2: phase three films, a favourite in the Fisher household.
1: Each Spider-Man is a bit more different. Mm, One's Tobey Maguire, one's that nice
2: young man from Tick-Tick-Boom named after a cat. They're more different, even if they're still wearing the same costume.
1: And then towards the end, Beethoven sticks in not one, but two minor variations, stretching, extending the darkness before the dawn, the return to the cheeky major finale in three time.
2: Any Marvel analogy
1: there? No. But I suppose it's not impossible to imagine Earth's mightiest heroes having to confront the minor or dark side version of themselves. Mr. Feige, why, yes, I am available if you need someone to do some writing. What more could Tim possibly need to know about Beethoven's homage to Mozart? Beethoven liked Mozart, did he? Did he? Remember Lewis Lockwood? Nonagenarian Beethoven scholar from America.
2: Big turtle energy. What did he have to say?
1: Well, that Beethoven knew Mozart's music so well, he thought he was plagiarising him even when he wasn't. About October 1790, Beethoven wrote down a brief C minor passage in 6-8 metre in two-staff piano score, and then wrote down these words between the staves. This entire passage has been stolen from Mozart's symphony in C, where the andante in 6-8 from the... And he breaks off here. The passage he thought he was quoting cannot be traced to any Mozart symphony that we know. Did these two titans ever meet? Well, according to Ignaz von Seiflied, Beethoven's contemporary, who looks a bit like Jim Broadbent crossed with Thomas the Tank Engine, they did.
2: Beethoven made a short stay at Vienna in the year 1790, where they had gone for the sake of hearing Mozart, to whom he had letters of introduction. Beethoven improvised before Mozart, who listened with some indifference, believing it to be a piece learned by heart. Beethoven then demanded with his characteristic ambition a given theme to work out. Mozart, with a skeptical smile, gave him at once a chromatic motivo for a fugue. Beethoven was not intimidated and worked out the subject at great length and with such remarkable originality and power that Mozart's attention was arrested, and his wonder so excited that he stepped softly into the adjoining room, where some friends were assembled and whispered to them with sparkling eyes, Don't lose sight of this young man, he will one day tell you something that will surprise you.
1: But that account has been pretty much disregarded now. The Musical History Bible Grove doesn't include it. Apocryphal, maybe. Worth remembering, Mozart already had at this time a nine-year-old Johann Nepomuk Hummel living as a student in his house.
2: Know how he feels.
1: Gah! Think! The variation form. Papageno. It allows Beethoven to explore every aspect of the character, like handing Papageno to different productions, different actors or producers.
2: And... Wasn't Papageno played by the producer in the first performance of The Magic Flute?
1: Yes, Schikaneder, the impresario, who did know Beethoven as well later in life. Did they work together? The Magic Flute 2, Sir Astro Strikes Back 2 Magic 2 Flute? Well, they did a bit. Schikaneder, who will always be Simon Callow in my head, thanks to the Amadeus film, wrote what turned out to be his last libretto for an opera that Beethoven sketched the first ten minutes of called Vestas Foiler. Tim, how does Bill Murray escape at the end of Groundhog Day? I think he works in his faults and finally convinces Andy McDowell to sleep with him. Damn, I'm not sure I want to go down that route.
2: I think they play I Got You, Babe, as he wakes up. How would I even find Andy McDowell? Did you want to talk about the Iron Maidchen variations on Shaker's Disc?
1: Well, yes, i am doing it for a while, but maybe if we're acknowledging, if not faults, then perhaps limitations, we should talk about Diabelli. Ah, sure, you put on a bit of summer weight, but who doesn't enjoy an ice cream? <laughs> Thanks, Tim. I meant Diabelli variations. Ah, yes. I think
2: it's number 22 in which Beethoven gives a nod to a Mozart aria.
1: It is. The aria Notte e Giorno Fatica, sung by Leporello in Don Giovanni, pops up. Here's the aria. Here's the variation. Maybe we can see it as an emblem of the evolution of Beethoven's approach to variations between the Einmachin and the Diabelli. He's moved from the variations demonstrating the hidden content within the theme to a place where the variations add to, supersede even, the theme.
2: Mm, Easier to feel you can improve on a theme when it's not by Mozart. Yeah, for sure. Perhaps Alfred Brendel said it best about the Diabelli. Um, He said, The theme has ceased to reign over its unruly offspring. Rather, the variations decide what the theme may have to offer them. Instead of being confirmed, adorned and glorified, it's improved, parodied, ridiculed, disclaimed, transfigured, mannered, stamped out and finally uplifted.
1: So in a way, because the Mozart theme is held in such reverence by Beethoven, he can't actually create as powerful a piece of music from it.
2: Harder to add something to Monet's water lilies than to find new creative avenues for something that falls below the meniscus of genius.
1: Always cover bad songs, is my rule, unless you're Alien Ant Farm who did a superb version of Smooth Criminal. I like the Iron Maidchen variations, and it's always a treat to explore the relationship between two of the big figures in Western classical music. But I think it's not a great revelation to suggest that actually the variations are a little limited if you compare them to the Diabelli. Well, most things are, except the good old Goldbergs. And that's fine. Beethoven's a young lad here, learning his craft on the way to the big leagues, where he'll actually create more musical interest by starting with a more mundane theme. There's further to climb if you don't already start at the top of the mountain.
0: (laughs) Is it finished yet? Andy McDowell? Interview, interview, Interview,
2: interview, 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 interview. Interview interview interview, 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 Hello. Hi, how are you
3: doing? Hey, very good, thank you.
2: Thank you so much for coming on the Cascal Music Pod. It's technically not the first time we've met. She <laughs> sounds creepy. The, the, uh, <laughs> we, we, well, we didn't meet. We stood next to each other once, um, about two or three months ago, at a Sam Henshaw gig. But, you, I mean, you wouldn't have known it. It was me,
3: obviously. Oh, but, no way.
2: Yeah, that was kind of fun.
3: Yeah, it was you, a really cool gig. I think.
2: Do you go to a lot of stuff like that, sort of non-classical?
3: Um, yeah, I, when I when I have the time, I I, I do. Um, I mean, just anything that I'm interested in, watching mm. and listening. And of course, I go to a lot of classical concerts, but yeah. um, a lot of jazz um, um, gigs and and pop and things like that.
2: Yeah, it was nice to see you there with, I don't know, quite a reasonable chunk of the Cannon Mason Clan. I don't know how many there were of you, but it yeah, like there I think were a maybe few.
3: three of my few of my sisters, my brother, and then um, a few friends as well. We all went.
2: Do you get to spend a lot of time hanging out with your family, with your siblings in that way? I mean, I know you did a like pretty intense lockdown together. and
3: <laughs> We did, yeah. Um, yeah, we do. I mean, we all, um, five of us live in London. Um, and so I see, um, and I live with my brother, so I see them a lot. And um, we all get on really yeah. well. And it's nice now that um, five of us are like, older than 18 and so we can go out to gigs and, and, and bars together um it's nice that we're all adults now
2: yeah do you find I mean the temptation was quite strong just to shoulder t- 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 and say hey but I'm um, glad I didn't in hindsight but do you do you get stopped a lot do you get people saying oh or, or even just sort of looks and
3: uh, yeah uh yes I mean um a fair bit, but it's it's always um I don't know I guess because it's I don't know. Yeah, it's it's always a, a sort of a nice um amount and I I like talking to people and um um it's I really appreciate it, I would say.
2: Yeah. It's a slightly different thing, isn't it, to being like I don't know, Alana Del Rey or a
3: Yeah, I don't get I don't get any screaming people or, or anything anything like that.
2: No screaming no screaming. Surely surely you get the occasional screaming fan, no?
3: <laughs> not, um, no, not really. <laughs> no no the same way.
2: Fair, fair enough. <laughs> It's Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, do you remember a moment when you sensed that your profile had was changing and that people were starting to look at you in that way? Was there a specific time?
3: I, I mean, for the first um, part of my career, after I won the Young Musician Competition, it was felt quite natural and gradual. Um, then when I performed at um, the Royal Wedding, that mm. was, um, I guess, up until that point, I was performing to audiences who were, specifically interested in cello or classical music whereas performing on the wedding it was um, performing to a global audience of people tuning in to watch that event and so um, I guess from that I reached a a wider audience and um, I think that made a difference in terms of getting recognized and things like that.
2: Mm. On that sense of recognition and and fame do you have would you say that you have that look at me gene at all is that part of your personality that sort of need to to show off or to perform or are you more <laughs> of a sh- are you a, a shy soul
3: um i would say actually i mean i'm socially more of a, a shy um person and certainly when i was younger and growing up i was um, very quiet and, and, and very shy i remember um for the first like five years of lessons with my um cello teacher at junior academy i probably had like three conversations um with him because I was so I was so silent and just um, just focused on um that of course now I'm older and a bit more bit more confident but I don't think I'm naturally someone who likes to 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 show off but I just love music and I love sharing music with people and so I think through music and through the cello that's how I that's where I feel like I I, I love to share uh,
2: with yeah them. it's your mode of expression it's interesting is there anything that you'd I mean you've you've got your lots of you know six siblings some of I can't remember who the young um how old the youngest is
3: just just under 13
2: just under 13 is there anything you did sort of advise or protect your younger siblings about about sort of bursting onto the scene in the way that you have and in in a way that they might do in the future
3: Mm -hmm. yeah I I mean I mean the best advice I suppose the thing that I've been most grateful for and has helped me the most is to maintain always a very strong group of people around me who are um, supportive, inspiring, and um, push me to always um, develop. And so for me, that's my family, my teachers, and then my management and label are also really always because they've been there from the for a lot. I don't know from the start of my career mm-hmm. es- essentially. They have an un- yeah understanding of what I value and what I'm aiming for and. Um, I think if you have a core group of people who really understand that and also who don't let you get away with not developing, I think that's right. really, really, really important because there are, with a, with a big audience and a big following, there are a lot of opinions and people congratulating you and um, I think it's nice to have people you trust who you can really mm. um, speak to, honestly.
2: Can I infer that there is a temptation with that audience and that following to sort of coast a little bit and to get comfortable?
3: I think it's very possible. Um, mm-hmm. And and the problem with that is um, the audience would then be the first people to criticise you if you haven't um, performed um, at, at the level that you could or you, if you haven't developed. And so it's a kind of, that's why I think having people that you trust and know really, really well and love you sort of regardless, I think is, is really, really important to have.
2: Mm. And with your family, is it a different relationship Hanging out with them as you did at um, that Sam Henshaw gig, as it is because you you know you perform with them all the time or you, or at least play with them at home in private. Is that a, deli- a very different dynamic in those two situations?
3: In in some ways, um, yes. Because I mean, when we're doing something uh, like rehearsing or performing, there's a, a level of focus and seriousness and attention to detail that has to be there. But there is always um, an element of, and should be always an element of enjoyment and just um, loving and enjoying music together. And I think it's really a wonderful feeling performing with uh, friends and with family and people that you get on with.
2: Mm. Do you find that the sort of hierarchies are different between your, when you hang out socially and when you perform?
3: Yeah. Tricky. I mean, the the the, the dynamic when we um, hang out socially as a family is often rooted in how it was when we were mm. growing up, and so we have like the older three of us who are very much like a a unit, and then you have the middle two, um, and then the younger two. Um, so they're the sort of like sections, but then now we sort of have the older five and the younger two. And then there's different sort of combinations. Me and my brother are very close because we're next to each other in age and grew up um, mm. together in that sense. And "To being the eldest, we'll, she'll always be the eldest. Mariette being the youngest, she'll always be um, the baby yeah. regardless. Um, but then Jennifer, who is um, sort of the oldest of the younger three, also has that older, older sibling um, role, even though she's um, towards the lower end. Uh, in the in the order so it's quite interesting but when it comes to um rehearsing and playing together there's not a i think there's not a hierarchy in that sense i think we all have very strong ideas and um, respect each other's ideas and know that we can learn from each other and so um i think the best rehearsal is always when people um have strong ideas but are not um i don't know there's yeah i guess ego is a, a thing that you have to sort of leave Suppress. outside and, and put yeah it, it, exactly but you also have to have a certain level of surety in what you are doing mm. and your ideas so there's not no ego at all but you have to respect
2: yeah absolutely i suppose ego is quite an important facet to have when you get up on stage because you need to have a bit of that
3: yeah otherwise you won't believe in what you are.
2: believe in what you're doing, doing.
1: exactly yeah, yeah. Classical, jazz.
0: Classical, jazz. Classical,
1: jazz. Classical,
2: jazz. drop it it isn't worth it and actually you're not very good at it let's let's talk about song which is coming out on the, n- the 9th of September your latest album it, it's quite um esoteric the set of tracks that you've chosen what links these tracks for you what made you choose them
3: I've- I think um, for me, actually, it's just um, the strongest link is is I wanted to create an album that's very much a portrait of who I am and what I enjoy and mm. what I'm interested in, what I have been interested in, up, in up, up to this point, and also looking forward, what I'm interested in exploring. And so, and also the vocal quality of each of the pieces. That's where the title song comes from. Um, and the instrument, the cello being in different contexts was something that I wanted to explore so cello ensemble, solo cello, um, cello being like multi-tracked on a pop pop song, improvising um, with piano, um, playing with an operatic singer and all of these different ways of yeah all these different contexts of putting the cello was something that I enjoyed exploring but yeah as you say it's a it's a massive mix of stuff and in terms of the order it sits on the album as well I wanted to just embrace that mix instead of, um, try and group things together very, yeah. very cleverly. I think there is just simply a, a, a wide range. And I think that is interesting and enjoyable.
2: Mm-hmm. Is there anything that didn't make the cut that you were? Yeah. Lots
3: of things. We, yeah, there's a lot of things that would be recorded that, um, didn't, didn't make the cut of things or oh, ideas that I had, which, um, ideas that came throughout the process of recording and also ideas that, um, I had initially and, then felt weren't weren't Mm. strong enough and so it was nice to have more than we needed and sort of refine instead of the other way around I think
2: it's quite painful process as well though isn't it when you've I don't know I find with right if I'm writing an article Mm -hmm. cutting going back and cutting sentences that you've toiled over for half an hour (laughs) and you think it's it's beautifully written but it does not but isn't serving the right purpose it's quite painful but also- yeah.
3: But it's I think it's the same with um with recording often because we do many takes of, of 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 a piece and there'll be some aspects of some takes that I really really loved or one turn of phrase but it doesn't work with um the rest of it and you sort of have to say goodbye mm-hmm. to to that take and and, and particularly with um because we did a lot of takes of the two sort of improvised and semi improvised tracks the lullaby for camilla and um, Crimea River as well. There's a lot of freedom in that, and so we would do like a full take of Lullaby, and then listen back, and then do another few full takes, and then pick basically our favourite one. But then there'd be aspects of another take that we really, really liked, but sort of had to say um, goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> goodbye to those. <laughs> um, uh, but it's 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 yeah, it's fine. That's part of.
2: It's part of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's your fourth album, so I guess you're pretty well versed in the process of making one now. It's not it's certainly not new to you. But what, did you try and do anything different this time around? Did you learn anything from the previous three? Or was there anything that you knew that you didn't want to do?
3: Oh, I see. I think um, one thing that I always want to do and, and did is, is have um, at least a very small audience of people uh, watching the session. Right. Um, so that I feel that I'm performing to someone other than the the microphones. And of course, yeah, when you're recording, you know that people are going to be listening eventually. But I find it's most helpful when I have one or two people, like mm. my teacher or a few friends, just in the studio listening, um, that I can perform to.
2: Why is that helpful, do you think? Um, and it's a hard question. <laughs> I,
3: I don't know, it just feels much more real to me when, but yeah, when I could see and feel the people that I'm mm. playing to that just feels the most natural way and um, so for all of the recordings that I've done I've always had, I mean sometimes like audience of one um, and then sometimes like a, a slightly bigger um, group depending on how, on how big the studio is mm. but I just really think that that's something that I would always want to to have
2: Yeah, Yeah. make sure they've all got their phones on silent
3: um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly yeah, ex- ex- That was the perfect
2: take Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah Uh, (laughs) I was talking to um, the guy I do the the podcast with Sam Mm -hmm. he pointed out that I know in the 80s, 90s I don't know who the up and coming or or the cellists releasing albums back then were, possibly someone like Julian Uh, Webber he pointed out that Julian Lloyd Webber, for example, would not have released such an album that looked anywhere anything like this. It, it's so much more varied. It's, it's it's so much more. I don't know freedom, for lack of a better word. I mean, what do you think's happened in that time to allow you to make an album like this? What's what's changed? Maybe. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm not sure, and I think um, I'm not sure what's changed because also I do love and and, and value albums that are core classical works that I have grown mm. up loving. There's nothing um, wrong with that. And that, and that that's, that's also also beautiful. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I just enjoy the mm. uh, creative side of putting things um, together. It's just how I work and have learned as a musician is from so many different things. And um, I will, I'm sure, record an album of Wozniak of cello concerto and, um, and, oh, and, yeah. and, and things like that as well but I enjoy making an album like this um, just as much and find it really interesting so I yeah I'm not sure what's changed I think perhaps um, the streaming and the way in which we listen to things has had an impact um, mm. I'm sure on how music is produced but I try not to be to focus on those sides of things because I think the most important thing is to record music that you love um, and if that's not there and and if there's another motive then I think it's not worth doing
2: create i'm gonna quote you back at your creativity for creativity's sake is something you said on them in a different interview oh, oh yeah
3: which, very profound very <laughs> profound of me gosh <laughs> <laughs>
2: but that's true I, yeah and it's that sense of play um that mm. is is extremely important and i think yeah that's certainly what shines through in in the records that you've released
3: yeah uh, i think it's it's, it's really um essential and so important to have a sense of freedom when it comes to creativity. And it, it, it seems, I don't know, that there's there's not so much space for that in the way that we are um, taught at school and, 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 and things like that. And I think it really is essential because without that, it always feels like everything has to have um, a purpose. And if you don't achieve that purpose, then you failed whereas when you are just um, being creative for the for the love of it there's not necessarily a thing that you can measure and so therefore there's a sort of limitless um, possibilities of what you can create Mm. and I think that's really really so valuable
2: Mm. yeah I couldn't agree more speaking of playful you (laughs) the video from a fanry up in the up in the Welsh I don't know it's, it's in the Brecon Beacons possibly I don't know where, where yeah you we're, yeah Brecon Beacons, Brecon Beacons. Yeah. talk me through that music or to, talk the listeners through that music video for those who haven't seen it you're up in high up in the mountains looking wistful and
3: windswept <laughs> we were so incredibly because we, we did that we filmed that in towards the end of March um so weather-wise that's a really risky time <laughs> yeah <laughs> to, to, to feel you can't guarantee um, anything we were so lucky with the um weather because it was also not too bright with the sun it was like a perfect softness of the sun it it didn't rain it wasn't too windy and it was just a really really stunning scene to to record mm-hmm. a video in um i as I grew, growing up we would go to wales um to a different part of wales every year and go walking in places like that so that felt very much i felt very familiar in a setting very much what i did every summer holiday um, in my my childhood so and uh, the camera crew were from uh based in wales and so they also knew that area well and know how to capture it and 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 things and so yeah it felt very sensitive to to what it is like to be in in the um national parks in wales
2: but also true to yourself in that you've you've got welsh heritage do you not and
3: yes exactly
2: i mean what yeah what does that welsh heritage mean to you as you say was it was it because of family that you went every
3: summer? It's because um well we went um my my grandma is based um just outside of in a small town outside of Cardiff in South Wales. And so we would visit her um very, very often, but also stay in different parts of mm. Wales. And I just love um I feel I, I I feel the most, I feel so free and um it, I, yeah, I just love being in the in the mountains mm. in, in Wales. Just walking and having that that sense of freedom and two weeks ago I was in schlangochland uh, for a week um just like practicing and then going for walks and then coming <sighs> back and then practicing and then going for walks it was the best thing and know also like I felt like my practice was so much better when I had that freedom of release walking out in the mountains and then coming back and practicing so that was really really nice and I think when I have yeah, children I would definitely take them and do and do things like that I think it's such an important it was such an important part of my childhood and I think it's a really nice thing to do.
0: Purposeful, purposelessness, the meaningful, meaninglessness, meaninglessness, I should say. Purposeful, purposeful, purposelessness, meaninglessness, I should say. Purposeful, 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 meaninglessness, I should say. Classical music pod, I should say.
2: My family, I mean, it's a folk song that you arranged, and there's there's a lot of folk song that's... Actually, I mean, folk song is kind of a theme that appears throughout a lot of your output. Star of the County Down, there's there's Nay Lark, which is a, imitates a Scots folk song, it's Barber, but it it sort of loosely imitates. You're playing, I mean, Deep River, that, that beautiful video of you and your brother performing, which you're doing at the last night at the proms, possibly? You
3: yes, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. Playing, playing that with, with, with the orchestra. I love this sort of storytelling and very concise, precise, emotional content of a folk song. And therefore, the how directly it it somehow connects with us. And so that's why I enjoy playing those kinds of of things. And Mm. I think the cello is an instrument that is able to speak very, very directly. Um, A lot of um, songs, and folk songs particularly, um, work very, very well on my instrument.
2: Yeah, I and mean, you spoke about Vojak earlier. I find, I mean, he was he was very influenced by Bohemian folk song. A lot of his melodies and mm-hmm. there's something very familiar about his melodies. They're sort of they've got that direct element as well.
3: Mm. And yeah, I always he... find with with Vojak, it's like even if I don't know the piece, when a melody comes, it feels like you've always known that mm. melody. It always has that that familiar sort of nostalgic feel even if it's the first time listening to it it's yeah. amazing.
2: there's another sort of string to your bow excuse the ch- ch- cello pun. <laughs> um this album is the f- i think it's it's got lots of your own re- arrangements including the bark that i mentioned but you've also got an original pop song same boat which with zach abel featuring zach abel can you tell us about that what's the inspiration what's the what was the process what, how did that come about
3: yeah, it was it was really fun to make that. Um, I've known Zach for a few years now, and we've like listened to lots of music and talks about music and jammed many times at my at my flat together. And so it was felt very natural to collaborate together and, and write a song. And so we did that just like in the living room of my of my flat, and um, with the cello and his voice, and and wrote it that way. Um, and I I wanted to um, always keep all of the instrumental sounds on that song just from sounds from the cello. I mean, we have some hand claps as well. Mm. Um, But then the bass percussion is just from me tapping the back of my cello. Right. The bass um, guitar sound is just pits. Um, And Jonathan, the producer um, was very creative in how we would make it such that we'd get all of those different sounds. And and so it feels very intimate and organic and personal. Um, And I think Zach's voice as well is such a a soulful voice and i really wanted to mm. capture that as well in in without um sort of keeping it simple in a way and keeping it very pure and and um but yeah it was really enjoyable to make that song
2: did it come naturally for you writing in that medium as opposed to a classical
3: yes yeah i, li- I mean i listen to a range of styles of music so it's yeah. not it's not outside of my interests uh, yeah um so yeah, if it did come naturally. I mean the writing the lyrics less. Um so um, I would say <laughs> Zach had more of a <laughs> more experience in that um side. But you know, melody and harmony and um the feel of the song was something that yeah, I really, really enjoyed um coming
2: up with. What about composition in general? Because obviously you've done lots of arrangements and it, but but is that something that you you would like to explore?
3: I used to do a lot more as a as a child. Um and now I do um write some things for my, myself but it's more more arranging and improvised things as opposed to like composing a full piece of music um, but it's something that I I am interested in and maybe one day I would write something more substantial but it you know takes time and yeah skill and uh, yeah
2: yeah well we'll I won't hold my breath for a of Mason cello concerto for now it's, it's, <laughs> yeah it's
3: that's like, a long way off it's a long
2: way off yeah <laughs> I was interested to see that you have worked with Edwin Finnis on the album as well he's written a piece for you in four or five moments I think yes is that the first time that you've had a piece written specifically for you
3: um, it's not the no it's not the first time I had a, a cello duet by Amber Ruth Richards who was written for myself and Guy Johnson and a piece by um, some composers at Academy for cello and guitar and, and things mm-hmm. like that so I have had always interesting experience in that. Um, but it's really nice to have these pieces written by Ed and to record them. And I've performed them now quite a few times as well. I think his understanding of the instrument and of communicating music through the instrument, I think is very, very special and um is very true to what I value in music as well. So it's a really genuine collaboration, I think.
2: Hey Sam, I've set up a coffee donation page for the podcast.
1: What is a coffee donation page, Tim?
2: It's like Patreon, in that it allows people to financially support creative projects they enjoy.
1: If you'd like to buy us a tasty coffee, at least in the description. If you'd like to buy us a tasty coffee, at least in the description. If you'd like to buy us a coffee, at least in the description. If you'd like to buy us a coffee, at
2: you just got back from U.S. tour not that long ago, right? Was that
3: with... With Isater, yeah.
2: Yeah, how, how was that?
3: It was, it was long, um, <laughs> amazing, really, really, really fun and varied. Um, it's always enjoyable going to the U.S. Um, and it's such a varied country, of course, and so playing all, in all of the different cities is, mm. is really interesting. It was probably the most intense, um, definitely the most intense tour that I've done in terms of how frequent the concerts were and the travel. So it was mostly concert every day. And then a few times there would be like, a, so we travel on the day concert, travel on the day concert most of the time. And then a few times there'd be a gap in between, but I think we did maybe 14 concerts in 20 days or something right. like that. Yeah, um, wow. So it was really quite quite full on. Amazing though, I, I really enjoyed
2: it. How do you cope with that intensity? Is- are you okay with it? You're quite relaxed. Are you better than Issa?
3: Um, No, we're both, yeah, we both manage it. And uh, it's often actually, once you get into the swing of it, you can keep going. And then when it comes to, um, after the last concert, we you sort of realise how intense it was almost. But yeah, I'm grateful also to be with Issa for a tour like that, because we get, get on very well. And yeah, she's mm. very supportive. and so it's, it was nice.
2: Have you got a good following out there? Do you get lots of people coming to the concerts and sort of waiting to chat to you after? Or
3: yeah, I have a, yeah, it's a good, a good audience that I've built. Because we did also, I I did a tour in two thousand and nineteen, um, mm. and so this tour we were returning to a lot of the places that we've been to before, and that's always nice. And then I've done a lot of orchestral dates out there um, with the different orchestras. So um, yeah, I've built up like a nice following there.
2: Which of the orchestras that you've played with have stood out in the past or conductors that you've worked with? Any particular favourites?
3: In the US, Cleveland Orchestra.
2: Cleveland? What was it about Cleveland that you loved?
3: They are unbelievably um, refined. Um, and like together sounds like such a boring way of describing an orchestra, but it's like incredible how every subtle bit of timing is registered by everyone in the, in the, in, the, in the, orchestra. So you feel, I felt very free and their sound together is, 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 really, really wonderful. So they're probably the most impressive orchestra I've played with out, mm. out there and out, out in, in the U S.
2: Do you notice a difference between that, the style of playing over there or the way that they play and the orchestra in Europe or in the UK, for example, is it?
3: For, uh, yes, definitely. The, in the in the sound and and style of playing there is a, a a difference um I suppose British and European orchestras that sound and way of playing is what I am most familiar with and grew up with um
2: Are you I mean can you describe how they how they differ in what
3: yeah I suppose it's um there's a, a shiny a shininess to the sound um of a I, this is, these are very general um, general points, of course, um, but the shininess of the sound in the, of the of US, US orchestra, as opposed to, I love the warmth and character of, of, of some of the um, orchestras in Europe and in, in, mm-hmm. in the UK and stuff. So, yeah, it's, I mean, and also, I mean, the way in which the orchestras rehearse is very different in each each place. Like here in the in the UK, the orchestras are ridiculously good, on the first playthrough and rehearsal, because they're unbelievable at sight reading and, and the level is is crazy. Whereas over there, it takes a bit more time before. Um, so so often, I'm quite you know surprised with. I guess also here, El Garcello Concerto, for example, is a piece that the British orchestras know so well. Um, but the first sort of playthrough will be really quite good. Whereas over there, the first playthrough, there'll be things that I'm yeah surprised at. Um, and then it takes a bit more time for them to.
2: So there's a bit more note bashing, but.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, of course, you know, the final. So, I mean, they have more rehearsal time.
2: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? we got a bit of a tradition, I guess, in the UK for being. for sight reading for our orchestra musicians. And I, I wonder. To such that... a high level. Yeah. I don't know where that comes from. I, I don't know why.
3: I think there's uh, not enough money to have enough rehearsal time. Is that what it is? Yeah. I'm sure. I, I, wow. I, may, I mean, maybe that's. I guess that's that sight reading helps, but I th- I don't know. I think it's also such a maybe such a big part of the training over here to be able to sight read to mm. to a high level that maybe isn't part of a training in other. Because I yeah I, I mean I'm not I haven't had much experience playing um, in orchestras and things like that. But even so, I've had yeah a lot of my training and learning was how to be yeah very good at sight reading and anticipate things and that yeah which I, f- I find to be very valuable now
2: so yeah so that's that's come into your solo performing it's been a useful asset to have yeah in your yeah yeah
3: career. Ab- absolutely
2: anyway it's 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 10 to 1 and I'm I've already taken five minutes more of your time than I'm allowed
3: <laughs> that's okay yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's but, all right but thank but, you so much
2: thank you so much for yeah coming on the podcast it's been really yeah illuminating to talk to you i really can't wait for the album to come out and to see you, you at the last night of the proms in person i'll have a flag and i'll let you know what which one which one a distinctive yeah. flag. great but good luck with everything that's happening this summer yeah um, thank you and i wish you
3: all the best thank you very much yeah pleasure to talk to you
1: Hey, man, it's cool to have Shaku on the pod. It is cool to have Shaku. He's a nice man. Yeah, and he's managed to get that thing where you only have one name. Yes. And you're instantly like Madonna. A mononym. A mononym. Yes, they didn't skip... (laughs) Didn't skip manners with all that cello practice, did he? Definitely not. That must be a canamason trait. Very well brought up, young man. Very well. P's and Q's.
2: I found he was... Here's the thing about
1: Shaku. Hey, hot take.
2: I wonder whether he's obviously so expressive as a cellist. He has Mm. so much to say musically when there's a cello in his hand. Not dissimilar to Andy Murray Mm. on the tennis court. By which I mean the contrast between how forthcoming he is musically and verbally is maybe greater than with a previous guest such as
1: Julian Bliss. Or Howard Goodall, couldn't shut him up. You You asshole. Yeah, I wonder, he's mentioned being shy, didn't he? Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, And also he's had this huge instant mega fame Mm. as a young, young man. So if you're shy, and then you're put on a very big stage very fast, Mm. and you're probably given lots of media training as well, told, you know, don't mess this up because you're doing great. Does it exacerbate that trait within you? Mm.
2: And, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe he's quite happy to waffle on enthusiastically to people like Rebecca Franks who... uh,
1: Gazumped you. Gazumped me in the Times last week. Not that I'm bitter. Hey, is it
0: better to be first or is it better to have jingles? Kermit the Frog Kermit the Frog is out there still circling like a shark in the water forced to eat a kangaroo testicle. His liver was pecked out I am eagle. What monkey glands are they eating? His dog uh, just made a more sensible contribution uh, than he did. Yes? Kermit the frog sang. We will take back control of our fisheries. Unnecessarily rude to Miss Piggy, I thought. He's a very eel like customer. But it is up to us now to let that lion roar. And time, I think, to put a bit of a tiger in the tank and and get this thing done. Kermit the Frog. Yes. Kermit the Frog is out there, still circling like a shark in the water. Straight into a massive elephant trap. I swallowed a bug. This is not all about some expensive green act of bunny hugging. Honey, honey, like, you, you, you know what I'm driving at. We send you penguins and they're the bear. But uh, those are not, that's not my. Um, the, the what?
1: Tucked up our sleeves, we have rather a good summer youth orchestra story that we'd like to share with our audience, uh, which involves a lot of bugs and a character with an unfortunate name. And we would like to make it part of a feature. So if you happen to have a very good story of chaos on a student youth orchestra tour or a choir trip from university, why not get in touch with us and we'll try and collect them up into a little bit of a feature of uh, summer music adventures. Mm, Yes, and
2: before we sign off, there's some classical music pod, Life News,
1: Life an announcement. Sam, what is it? It's that Nurse Betty said yes. Uh, and we're all pretty chuffed here. And by we, I've used the royal we there. I'm pretty chuffed. Uh, Tim's pretty chuffed too. pretty chuffed. Uh, so if you have any good suggestions for wedding music, why not drop us a line about that? Because planning's afoot.